0: I walked in the door, there's a few ounces on, on the floor, in front of the couch, there's music going in the background and I had a refrigerator full of beer. And I'm, I'm going, man, two weeks ago, this was jackpot. But there's one thing I, I did realize when I walked into that house, and, and my buddy realized it too, is the darkness. The Lord revealed the darkness, that's something that I was used to, um, and, and it was inviting for me. Uh, the darkness that was in that room, and, and I could only stay for about 10 minutes. Now, two weeks before, it, it, like I said, it would have been my kind of party. It was my kind of scene. This was, that I could have stayed there for hours and probably would have crashed overnight or something like that. But when I left that house, I said this to my friend. I said, yeah, I said, it's like I was in an egg, and an egg opened up, and I sprang to new life. Little did I know I was describing 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 that it says when a man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, everything has become new. Uh, John, can you please just give us your full name? Jonathan Zetz Sr. And what is your, uh, your age? I just turned 69 in July. Beautiful. And what testimony will you be sharing with us today? I want to talk about my salvation, how God redeemed me. Okay. Uh, I was born and raised Catholic in a Catholic family. There was five kids, mom and dad. Uh, I went to Catholic school for five years and did my first communion and all the religious things that the Catholics do, my confirmation. And then as I was growing up, um, I discovered I had a need for friendship. It was kind of like I would do anything for fun. I used to love to make people laugh. Uh, Back then, I think I still do. But the one thing that I had was a lot of hatred in me. Uh, I had a lot of anger in me. And I believe it's because my father had a lot of anger. And he was a disciplinarian. He abused us kids as we were grown up. I was what's called raised by the belt. And he had a very short fuse and there was no second chances with him. So uh, as I grew up, I developed a taste for alcohol. I started drinking at a young age. There was a friend of mine, we were at a parish picnic at uh, the Rockville Civic Center. And near the end of the picnic, him and I would uh, go back and forth taking pictures uh, of beer, go for the table where my dad was sitting at and his friends. And we would run them over to the keg and they would fill them up for for us. And we'd hide in the bushes and we'd take a couple hits off of it. And I was only 11 years old when that happened. And I remember getting a uh, a buzz with my friend Rick doing that. So... I, we would go to the beer store, uh, me and my friend John, and and before we went to CCD—this is after I left Catholic school and was in junior high at the time—we would go to the local uh, beer store and— uh, uh, we would steal quarts of beer. I had a jacket that's back then that's probably still too big for me now, and we just stick a couple in them, and then we would chug them or do what we whatever we needed to do before CCD. And I had a, another guy, this uh, uh, this black guy. He was a caretaker on the farm. I believe he was about 80 years old, and he'd come by the house and go up to the Bellby house. And we would give him money to get us beer, and he'd he'd put it behind a bush. And like I said, we were young. Now we're 13, 14 years old. So I had this taste. I liked the buzz. And then um, when I I was drinking in high school uh, quite a bit, almost every night, uh, I actually worked up at a restaurant up the street, and I would sneak beer out the back door, on a continual basis, and by the weekend, I had enough for my friends and stuff like this. So it it grew into, life was nothing but a party for me. I I didn't take anything serious. Uh, I I really didn't care about anything. I could hold a job, uh, but I remember going out drinking and partying and doing that stuff. I I, I got introduced to smoking dope, and if you could put it on dope, I'd smoke it. Smoked a lot of hash. A lot of PCP, um, angel dust, and uh, I did opiated hash one time. Uh, But it, it was the party scene, and I really enjoyed it because it went along with my laughter. But I think on the inside, when nobody was around, I was very much alone. I had plenty of friends. Friends would call me up every night. I was like, Mr. Party, what are we doing tonight? So I was the cruise director of the party and we'd go down DC or uh, on occasions I'd get a keg and have a couple hundred people over at my house to have a keg party and that sort of thing. So that was the party scene. So during this time, I I had a girlfriend um, and we were in a relationship and we were over at the house and uh I had a six pack of beer sitting next to me and we're watching TV and my my, my mom comes in. It's about ten o'clock at night, ten thirty. And she came in like she just flowed in the door. And so, hey mom, how you doing? And she goes, yeah. You know, what's going on with you? And she goes, oh, I just went to this prayer meeting. It was so good. And you know, I'm thinking, what's the prayer meeting? And so my girlfriend goes, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, and then Mom goes, yeah, I'd like for you all to go with me. And I knew where this, I knew where this was heading. I can feel the conviction on me. So... I said, check me out in five years. I don't even want to hear about this, you know, basically. In other words, don't bring it up again because it made me feel very uncomfortable. Well, I continued in with my partying and friends. Uh, I would get, get in fights here and there. I didn't look for fights. They found me, uh, but I was afraid of nobody. My father was 6'6", and so when... When you're, when you're this tall and you're getting disciplined or something like that, you develop uh, within you a non-fear of people or man because, you know, 6'6", six, six, he's uh, he's up there someplace. So, no, I, I didn't fear any men. I, I, I would get in fights with people bigger than me. Uh, the anger would take over. Uh and it was just horrible, you know. I didn't feel good about being doing that or doing those sorts of things. I had friends that were big that got in fights, and they feared me. But I was just a little scrawny kid. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, like 6'2", 240. I was like um, 5'10", maybe 150, 160 pounds back then. So anyway, the drinking every night escalated, and and then uh, I I lived in a house with four other guys, and and it was like party all the time. There's beer on the kitchen floor all the time, and this is where we'd have our keg parties and stuff like this. I went out and bought me a, a stereo back in 1975 that cost about five, $600, which was a lot of money back then, and big Altec speakers, and I'd play Lucky Man on, and, and the bass on it was so loud, the needle would skip across the record, and, and we just sit there and loving it and bring people in to come in to hear this stereo, and so we partied every night. The other guys would bring their girlfriends in. There was girls around the house and stuff like this. I'd broke up with my girlfriend since then, and so uh, we continued in that mode. But something was happening to me on the inside. Uh, I would go to sleep and it was like, I would feel demonic presence trying to pull me off the bed. And it seemed like the bed would really vibrate and shake, and and uh, it was scary as, as all get-out. But if I was drinking, there, there wasn't that problem. And I rem- remember one particular night I came home. I was exhausted. I went to bed at 6 o'clock instead of going to bed at 10 or 11. I woke up about 9, and I said, Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm going to have those nightmares. So I, I ran down the street. Got a couple six packs, drank them down quick so I could, uh, you know, get to sleep, and and sleep solidly through the night, and so uh, that that's why I want another reason later on uh, with the drinking, and I wanted to drink so I could sleep soundly, and so I I needed to have the light on or the TV on in my room because the the fear it was just so horrible. So time progressed, time progressed, and, and then suddenly in my life, I, I had this disdain for what I was doing. I didn't understand it. I got tired of the drinking and the smoking and the partying. And, and how old and are you by this time? I was 25. So um, that was a long time ago. So uh, I, got, I, I just had this thing and someone brought up lint the season of fasting. So in my mindset, as corrupt as it was, I said, uh, I'm going to quit drinking. And I said this, if Jesus can die on the cross for me, I can give up drinking 40 days for him. So I quit drinking, but I was still smoking dope. And uh, I was at a party one time, and someone noticed I didn't have a beer in my hand. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you I noticed you're not drinking tonight. And I said, well, I quit for Lent, you know, and nothing's changing me. It was just a matter of days at that time, maybe two weeks into it. And they said, well, you're still smoking dope. You're a hypocrite. Heck, I didn't even know what a hypocrite was, but I said, well, the heck with you. I'll quit that too. So I quit, quit that as well. But in retrospect, looking back, one thing I did did notice about my life, I was a very selfish person. And it's like when you don't have the Lord in your life, when you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, everything is about you. And so I knew how to manipulate people, and I wasn't aware of doing it. I just knew how to do it. And everything was gimme, 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 me, me, me. So... Onward with this uh, fasting, during the fast, God shows up and he asked me a question, what have you done since you've been out of high school? And so at that point uh, 26, 18, seven or eight years have passed. How did, we, how did how did he show up? Well, I just I just heard this voice in me that was asking me about my question, I mean, asking me a question about my life and the direction I was going in. Mm -hmm. And it was like an awareness. It wasn't like, John, what are you doing? It was like an awareness. You've been out of school for seven or eight years now. Where are you heading and so, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I realize I'm really screwing my life up, really making a mess out of my life. And, I, and remember, now I'm sober. I don't have any alcohol on me. I'm free of, of pot uh, for about two weeks, and I'm sober. And, my, and for the first time, sober for the first time, like in seven or eight years, maybe nine years at that point, totally sober. And so it was like God's saying something to me. So coincidentally, if you want to call it that, my friend Rick, when we were 11 years old, when we were doing the drinking at the parish picnic, shows up. He said he wants to come over and see me. He said, sure, yeah, come on over and see me. And so Rick shows up. Now, Rick... Was a very hardcore party. He used to shoot up. He was a mess. He was working for a friend of mine, <clears throat> and um, working for a friend of mine's dad, making precast stone. So they had a cement mixer, and somehow he got his leg caught in it. Tore up his leg really bad. So I go to visit at the go visit Rick at the hospital and he's there doped up on morphine or whatever, and in the drawer next to him, you gotta remember, this is 1975, 76, in the drawer next to him is a bag of dope. If he got caught with that, he's looking at five years. This isn't like it is today, but it, it was hard, he was hardcore, he was smoking dope in his room while he was doing this. So uh, he died, um, he died and God you know, revived him and this sort of thing on, when he was shooting drugs So Rick shows up, and he changed totally. It's just my mother was a woman of God, and and during those five years, she was praying for me, and, and she never preached to me or anything, but you could just see that Jesus was all over her. The Holy Spirit was all over this woman. So I'm looking at Rick, and this is the only person I knew that had a radical change in his life, and he's speaking truth to me, and it's like... I was hungry. I was thirsty for this because I got tired of the drinking. I got tired of the party life. It it just leads to nowhere. It's just a repeat of the day before um, is, is what's going on in your life. And so you think you're having fun, but you're actually miserable doing it. So Rick said he was going to a revival service down in Rockville, Anderson Street, uh, Anderson Street Church of God. That's what it was, and asked me if I wanted to go. And I, I said, Yeah, I'll go. And so he took me, he took me, and and a friend of mine, my roommate at the time, uh, to this revival meeting. And and here I'm used to a Catholic setting where you kneel, sit, stand, sit, kneel. Um, And these people, this guy was preaching, and these people going, amen, praise the Lord. And I didn't have any understanding what was going on. I didn't remember one word that preacher said in about an hour of preaching or during the service, but I knew that God was in that place. I've never seen anything like it. And so I was talking to Rick, and I said, you know, Rick, uh, my mom goes to these prayer meetings And um, I'm going to go one of these days. And Rick said, John, the time is now. And it's like, it just, it hit me. It was like, this is now. This is, there's something about that now word that just uh, spoke to me. and, And I said, all right, Rick, thank you. I, that night, I was uh, back then. I was working for Cincinnati Time Recorder, and I would repair time clocks and stuff, personnel time clocks. And we had the McDonald's contract. I mean, we had hundreds of thousands of, of clocks in the area, the Pentagon, the White House, and stuff like that. And so I, I went to Warrenton, Virginia, during the day, picked up a clock, and I told my boss I would go take it back. At night, so this was after the revival meeting. It's about eight o'clock, and I head down there, and my buddy's with me, and I have another buddy who's still drinking in the back seat of my car. But uh, my buddy and I were on the same page. He was friends with Rick, and Rick spoke to him about the Lord, and and so on the way back from that, God came into my life. The lord came into my life there was no sinners prayer there were there was nothing like that it's just that i knew i was sick uh, of what i was doing and i i just knew i wanted the lord and he and he knows our hearts and he came into me and he came into my friend too as well and i just i just felt so light i just felt The love of God. And so the next day, one of the girls that used to hang around our house shows up uh, to the house, and she looked at me. I didn't even say anything. I came into the house. She just looked at me. She goes, you changed. And so, you know, I was saying, yeah, I still don't understand what happened. And so— that Thursday night, the prayer meetings were on Thursday night that my mom was going to. I was go, I'm going to surprise her, and, and I remember this this girl I like called, hadn't dated her yet, calls me up Thursday night. Beautiful girl, John, can I come over tonight? You know, because I had the stereo and we, the party and stuff. I said, I'm going to church. I never heard from her again. Um, all these guys that used to call me up when I when they asked me what I was doing I'm going to church. I never heard from some of these guys ever again Did that, that bother was, you that was forty no not at all um, so anyway I go to I go to this prayer meeting mother God prayer meeting in Potomac there was a room with about 300 believers in it. And and most of them were young, and these people knew how to worship. I've never seen anything like this. But my spirit was just like drinking it in. And then I, I was sitting there, and and two seats over there was this beautiful girl, and she had the voice of an angel. And God gave me a prophetic gifting, and I looked at her, and I I said she'd make a good wife, <laughs> and that's that's the woman I've been married to for 43 years now, Sharon. Wow. Um, but that's a whole, whole other story. But the amazing thing about that night was it was exactly five years to the day that when my mother first walked through that door that I said, check me out in five years. Wow. Now, I'm wondering either that makes me not a liar or there's just something supernatural. You can go look on your calendar, March 22nd on a Monday when I got saved and Thursday night, March 25th, 1976. And you would see, and, and um, well, that was 71. Mom asked me that. And it was 76, five years to the day later. And so God really changed me. Uh, I never drank again from the time I was on it, never smoked, never had a desire to. And I remember when my buddy and I were at the house, these these two girls, I really didn't know them. We, we get people in and out of this house because there's four of us guys, and you know they have girlfriends, they have girlfriends that come in and out. And we were talking about the Lord, and, and I was trying to defend the Lord, but I really didn't know. I didn't even know a verse from the Bible back then. And so we are, we are talking and they listened to us and all I had my testimony and I didn't even know what a testimony was. I was just sharing, well, I was this way last week and this way I, I don't wanna do it anymore. I felt the presence of God in me, it was overwhelming. And so they invited us to a party. Now, I didn't know any difference. I didn't have any discipleship or anything back then to say, no, you don't really go to those kind of parties anymore. So we promised to go, and I remember them calling up saying, yeah, you promised to go to a party with us. So the party wasn't too far away, about five miles away up here on Seneca Road. And I remember going in. There wasn't the 200 people that I would have around. There was just a few I walked in the door. There was a few ounces on on the floor in front of the couch. There's music going in the background, and it had a refrigerator full of beer. And I'm, I'm going, man. Two weeks ago, this was jackpot. But there's one thing I I did realize when I walked into that house, and, and my buddy realized it too, is the darkness. The Lord revealed the darkness. That's something that I was used to. Um, and and it was inviting for me, uh, the darkness that was in that room, and and I could only stay for about ten minutes. Now two weeks before, it, it, like I said, it would have been my kind of party. It was my kind of scene. This was that I could have stayed there for hours and probably would have crashed overnight or something like that. But when I left that house, I said this to my friend. I said, "Yeah, I said it's like I was in an egg." and an egg opened up, and I sprang to new life. Little did I know I was describing 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 that it says when a man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, everything has become new. Mm -hmm. It was like God showed me. He had me... go to that party because I I was going, did I really change? And I was questioning my salvation at the time. Like I said, I had no fellowship. I didn't have any of these Spirit-filled churches that you're going to now other than the Thursday night meetings. And God was just showing me, yes, you have changed. You're a new creation and you're my son. So God continued uh, on in my life uh, to where I wasn't self-centered anymore. I ended up marrying Sharon. We have six kids. Uh, And the anger, I had a very foul mouth, and I remember that that was one of the first things that went. I I remember the next day the the four-letter profanities, which In normal conversation, I don't care who you were, I I would use just so freely. It was a part of my speech. It was a part of who I am. And that was one of the first things the Lord took away from me is that profanity, that heart of hatred, that speech of hatred. And and He he gave me new life, and He gave me that love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And and it's not like everything happens all at once. It's just like God reveals things to you. Here, I've been in the Lord 45 years, and and recently uh, He he was showing me reasons why uh, I have... um, Disappointments in my life, and sort of, and that sort of thing. Why he showed me another thing um, that when I was young, why I have a hard time receiving things from people. So he shows them to you, and you just ask the Lord for forgiveness, and it's just like that's gone. It's gone. I don't have disappointments. If I, if I. Um, was had planned something with you and you something came up, maybe a death in the family and you, you couldn't make it, I'd be so disappointed it would hurt me. But now uh, God just reveals that thing and he's so gentle. And, and one thing I know about the Lord is this. In reading the Bible, I believe that he puts the most important things first. The first commandment is basically love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's so we can do the other nine. Uh, but he says this in 1 Corinthians 13:4. He says, Love is patience. He didn't say love is kind, love is gentle. He says, love is patience, which means he is patience. We are his children, and he is so patient with us in our walk with him. And and another verse that I I just love is, is out of Lamentations. It says that his mercies are never failing. They are new every morning. So whenever we do something wrong or, you know, we come short of the glory of God, we just say, we ask the Lord for forgiveness. And as that sun comes up in a new morning, his mercies are made new. And you go, thank you, Lord, for a new day. And you ask for his grace to get you through. So by the grace of God, um, I'm a, a active in... King of the Nations, prayer ministry. I've been in prayer ministry now for almost as long as I've been a believer from various churches and stuff. And it's my heart to see people get set free from their addictions or get set free. It doesn't have to be drug or alcohol. I think uh, the church struggles the most with is bitterness and unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And many people... They harbor bitterness or unforgiveness. It's stuffed down there towards somebody. And they think it's something that they can carry around. But it's very offensive to God. And it quenches the spirit, the spirit's fire. So I've learned that over the years. I forgave my father. And and you know when forgiveness is there because you look back. And you say those things that used to be real. You can relive those moments, and when God's agent of forgiveness is there, it's like you ask yourself, "Did that really happen?" And of course, it did. But the sting isn't there—that that that hate and that bitterness uh, that springs up that defiles many—is not there. So I, I'm just thankful for. The Lord and what He's done and being so patient with me and the life that He's given me, uh, the endurance that He has given me to run this race. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 70 next year. I, what do I have, 20, 25 years left? But it, it's just such a blessing to be in God's presence doing what He has called me to be instead of doing what I think I should be. John, for anybody who is watching right now um, your testimony, uh, what can you say to them? What are some last words that you can offer to them? Anyone who is watching this, and even in the midst of a crowd, you feel alone. If you feel you don't have a plan or purpose in your life, if you feel hopelessness in your life, and you may be the most religious person in the world, you may go to church every day, I would just say, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and that is God loves you. Um, there is something I find quite remarkable about what God has done in my life, and and. I used when I used to work on equipment and stuff, I would keep a mileage log every day. And then I could have written anything possible uh, on that day, that Monday, the 22nd. And, and what I wrote is the love of God is accepted. And it's just like, that's what it comes down to. You're rejecting the love of God in your life and all that He has for you. The Word says that God demonstrates His love in this, that Christ died for you. That means that during all this time of partying and stuff, God wasn't waiting for me to perfect myself. It says that God loved me so much that He sent Jesus to the cross. And so I I would just uh, implore you to get right with God, ask him for forgiveness for your sin. Ask him to show you the direction that you were going in like he showed me what direction I was going in. So that's what I would say to anybody watching this. If you had an abusive father or somebody was abusive um, that was in a position of authority, you need to forgive. And God will give you the grace. that's, That's one thing about the Lord. I do understand very clearly is this, any place where he commanded to us to do anything, he does not expect us to do it on our own. That he has given us the Holy Spirit, the helper to come alongside of us and enable us to do what God has called us to do. That's called his grace.